When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. As snow accumulates off and on this winter, farm building safety and maintenance are integral in preventing total roof collapse. I'm Charity Seebecker with the Midwest Farm Report. David Bonhoff, professional engineer and Emeritus Professor of Structural Building and Construction Engineering at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, says the key causes of agricultural buildings collapsing during the winter aren't necessarily due to the snow, but a failure in the structure's engineering. The snow is just the tipping point of what can create a domino effect of things going wrong. A typically balanced snow load where we have a nice uniform snowfall onto a roof typically is not a problem. The issue is when we get a snowfall and then we have a wind that accompanies that snowfall and blows that snow to a particular area of the roof where it accumulates. That typically can be over the top of the ridge or it can be in the valley where there are two intersecting roofs. And if the building hasn't been adequately designed to handle those loads, you know, you could be looking at a potential structural failure. Farmers that have had their buildings properly engineered typically wouldn't be looking at those sort of problems, but we do have a lot of agricultural buildings, probably the majority of agricultural buildings that aren't structurally engineered, meaning that they're not specifically engineered for the application or the location in which they're located. And that presents those sort of problems. You know, there are still things you can do. If you do have snowfalls and you have these bad drifts, you obviously can try to remove that snow. You have to be very careful how you do that. In a lot of cases, these buildings are very large, so it becomes very difficult, meaning that you can't maybe pull the snow off the roof from the edge of the roof. There's a lot of farmers that have equipment that can get them up to the eave where they can try to pull it off without going on the roof. You really do not want to go on the roof, particularly if there's already heavy snow on there. You're just adding weight to it, and then you have to be careful about what type of equipment you use so that you don't ruin the roof. Then you're just setting yourself up for other problems that aren't snow related, you know, roof leaks being a principal problem. How many agriculture structure buildings collapse each year? How many collapses happen? It really does vary by location, by the year. It's really a matter of if we have a fairly heavy snowfall in a particular region. And we do seem to get one of those, I would say, maybe every other year. Lately, I think with uh, the climate change that is occurring, we're getting some slower moving fronts, which tend to drop a lot more precipitation. We seem to get heavier rainfalls because of slower moving fronts. And again, they're really not an issue if your building's been properly engineered. You shouldn't see farm buildings failing at any greater rate than you would see uh, residential buildings homes collapsing or commercial buildings collapsing. When we do see a lot of agricultural buildings fail without seeing other buildings fail, that is just an indication that engineering has been largely ignored. Understand that, you know, I'm a registered professional engineer. We do have a number of engineers that are certainly qualified to design agricultural buildings. We're very familiar with them. Work for companies that build agricultural buildings and they'll design those buildings in accordance with the building code. And it's one of those 
things that gets questioned frequently by a lot of people. And they'll say, well, agricultural buildings aren't designed to the same load standards, and that's why they fail. Well, that's not true. Engineers, all the engineers I know that work for these companies design those buildings in accordance with the building codes. The problem is, is that when they're not structurally engineered, there's typically some kind of a what I call a weak link in the design. And these buildings are actually fairly complex structural systems. And it just takes a weak link in one particular area sometimes to cause a catastrophic failure, a chain reaction collapse where we get a particular element that hasn't been properly braced, it'll buckle. It might be a truss web member that hasn't been properly braced and it buckles. And once it buckles, that truss fails. And when that truss fails, the one next to it fails and it goes boom, boom, boom all the way down the line and we see the whole building come down. So frequently when we see failures, it usually is uh, one of those sorts of failures where a single element hasn't been properly braced. And when it's not properly braced, it typically maybe can only take 25% or 15% of the load that people thought it could take. It's frustrating from the perspective that these building failures don't need to occur. If people would just, I would say, put a little bit of extra money into proper engineering, and I'm talking about a very small amount of money, they will actually save you more money than they will cost you. See a lot of buildings that go up that aren't engineered and certain elements are way over designed and other elements are under designed. There's this improper balance and the over designed components, yeah, they're fine, but you're paying all this extra money for them. And yet you have built in all these weak links into the system, these under-designed components that are going to cause that whole big building to fail. So get somebody in there that knows what they're doing, that gives you this nice balanced design, and you won't have the failures that are very common in the agricultural industry. And I should back up to say that one of the main reasons that this occurs is that agricultural buildings are exempt from building codes in most of these States, and that's a historic thing, and it wasn't really an issue when we had smaller agricultural buildings, but now that we have large buildings, in my opinion, we should never exempt agricultural buildings from the code, those large buildings, they should all have to be properly engineered. You know, I can understand people that say, I want to be able to do what I want to do. If I don't want to engineer it, um, I should have, you know, that say. You know, and I think to a certain extent, I can't argue necessarily against that. But on the flip side of it, if it's endangering people, it's endangering employees that don't have that particular say, and that's becoming more and more the case as buildings get bigger, you're talking about bigger operations, you're talking about a lot more employees, you're talking about a lot more employees in that building at the time that collapse is likely. And so the one thing I would say to farmers, if you're considering building a new building, especially a large building, just make sure that it is properly structurally engineered. And there's a lot of people that say, oh yeah, we engineered your building. And it really truly hasn't been. They're talking about maybe a truss that's been designed to take a certain load and that truss hasn't been installed properly. It hasn't been braced properly. So regardless of what people tell you, that building's not going to take the load that people have basically told you when they sold it to you that it is going to take. And that's an issue. So when people are thinking about constructing these new buildings, are there different things to be thinking of for agriculture structures versus residential that these farmers should be aware of or specific contractors or engineers to be reaching out to compared to others? Homes and residential buildings by and large are small buildings. 
And so we typically won't see snow loads. And there's a couple of different things going on here. There is a special code for residential buildings. It's a different code than we use for commercial buildings like agricultural buildings. Those commercial building codes, codes that would apply to agricultural buildings if they weren't exempted, it really requires structural engineers to do the structural design work to make sure that that larger building is going to be able to withstand all those forces that are applied to it. And that's not only snow, that's wind. It's seismic forces if you're in earthquake zones. There's a certain amount of what we call dead loads. There's loads due to the use and occupancy of the building. You know, depending upon what you're putting into that building, it's going to apply some loads. Those are all taken into account by the structural engineer. On residential buildings, the residential code that applies is what we call a prescriptive code. It really comes in and it says, okay, if your floor, for example, is spanning this distance, the support members should be this large. It tells you exactly how large each structural component should be. It tells you how to put them together. It prescribes all the elements, specifies them for you. So we are actually, in effect, taking the engineer out of it, which isn't necessarily a problem if you have really small structures. There is a big difference, therefore, between residential buildings and agricultural buildings. What maintenance can be done throughout the year that farmers can do for these farm buildings to help prevent any structural damage when it comes to winter? There are a lot of things that go on in especially animal confinement facilities that will degrade and deteriorate the building fairly rapidly in some cases. For example, if you have a metal plate connected wood truss, and there are a lot of those in our freestall barns, those plates on those trusses are being subjected to a lot of moisture and condensation, and it'll be on there maybe in the morning. It'll disappear maybe in the afternoon as things warm up, and then it's back again. Depends upon outside weather conditions. Along with that moisture, there's a lot of off-gassing of ammonia, of sulfur dioxide. There's different gases being off-gassed by manure, and those tend to be very corrosive. Once those gases basically mix with the moisture contents in the air and can condense onto those plates, you're getting basically and acid on those plates that enhance corrosion. It's just that constant cycling and, and corrosion, which occurs fairly rapidly in certain locations, especially near like an open ridge of these animal confinement facilities. If you look up at those plates and you see that they're corroding or that some of them have even started to fail, you need to get in there and you need to call a contractor. You need to reinforce that joint. And some contractors have did that in numerous buildings throughout the year, so they're very good at it. You know, there are ways to get around that. I mean, and it's occurring more and more, and that is is that we don't use metal plate connected wood trusses as much as we used to in these large animal confinement facilities. We use what we call laminated veneer lumber rafters and different components that we can use in place of those metal plate connected trusses. A lot of trade-offs, but they're good trade-offs in that we typically are making a more durable building. That was David Bonhoff, professional engineer and emeritus professor of structural building construction engineering at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. To learn more about ways to properly ensure your buildings are safe, you can contact him at 608-577-7130. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker.